Hi, this is John, by the way, and today I'm looking at uh, First and Second Peter. These epistles, general epistles of Peter in the New Testament as part of our Come Follow Me study. And what I love about general epistles is it's such great general advice for all of us. A few things I noticed looking at these epistles were the appearance of the word lively. And lively, I suspect, just in King James English, is just full of life. And that's the way that we should be with the gospel, full of life. We have in First Peter chapter 1, verse 3, a lively hope by the res- resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Some great advice here in verse 7. The trial of your faith being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. So trial, to be trialed is to be proved. And fire is both in the scriptures used as a metaphor for testing and refining and cleansing. It's kind of a, I didn't know you had it in you type of a thing. God knew what you had in you, but he wanted you to know what you had in you. (laughs) You probably heard the story of Truman Madsen on a boat to uh, the Holy Land with President Hubie Brown. And Truman Madsen asked him, Listen, if God knew that Abraham would be willing to sacrifice Isaac, why did he put him through that? And the answer that President Hugh B. Brown gave is reported to have been, well, Abraham needed to know something about Abraham. So sometimes I think the tests are, God knows what's in us, but maybe he wants us to know what's in us. And so we have a trial or a test of our faith, sometimes a trial compared with fire. But as the hymn, How Firm a Foundation, says, I think this is one of the verses that we don't usually sing, one of those verses at the end of the hymn. Let's see, how does it go? Though through fiery trials thy pathway may lie, my grace all sufficient shall be thy supply. The flames will not hurt thee, I only design thy dross to consume and thy gold to refine. So we should expect a trial of our faith or many of them throughout our lives, obviously. Some other things I want to mention in 1 Peter chapter 1. In verse 15, As he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation, because it is written, Be ye holy, for I am holy. I think that that means more than conversation, the way we think of it, like the talking. I think it also means in all of our dealings, But I like the idea of being holy in our conversation. One of the first things people notice sometimes about members of the church, I hear these stories all the time, well, they notice that you don't curse or you don't cuss. And I I like that idea, we already talked about it in the book of James, of controlling the tongue and being holy in your conversation. And it comes up again, I think in 2 Peter, you can hear me page turning, I'm pretty informal here of conversation, the idea of a conversation being being holy, being, you know, above the rest, being set apart. Second Peter 3, when it speaks of Sodom and Gomorrah and Lot, verse 6 says, And turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes, 
condemned them with an overthrow, making them an ensample unto those that after should live ungodly, and delivered just Lot, God did all of this, vexed with the filthy conversation of the wicked. That's Second Peter chapter 2, verse 6 and 7. So Lot was delivered, but he was vexed. He was tormented with the filthy conversation of the wicked. Now, whether that's words or conduct or probably both, you can even be delivered from that and be vexed by that in your mind. Hopefully over time, the Lord helps you replace those with new memories and good things and happy things. But what an interesting statement that even after Lot was delivered, he was vexed by what had happened in Sodom and Gomorrah. Um, another verse I want to point out that I just uh, noticed, First Peter chapter 3, verse 7, Ye husbands, dwell with them according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife, as unto the weaker vessel, that could start a big debate, and as being heirs together of the grace of life. Oh, I put my margin. Hey, that's eternal marriage, being heirs together of the grace of life. Maybe that's a little bit of eternal marriage doctrine there, being heirs together. And then 1 Peter 3, verse 15. I, I just love this advice, and I read it, and I think, am I ready? But this is what 1 Peter 3, 15 says, Sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you, with meekness and fear. What a great statement. Be always ready to give an answer. So if someone ever asks you, hey, what is it about you? Why do you have this hope? You have an answer. Golf Magazine has an author named Marty Smith, and he was interviewing Tony Finau and asked him simple question. I don't, I don't know. I don't have Golf Magazine, but I suspect he asks lots of people this question. What's your purpose? Now, Tony Finau, who's a professional golfer and a member of the church, gave this. He was ready to give an answer, and it's such a good one. He said, it's to be a light in the world. It's to have so much joy emanating from me, coming out of me, that everyone in my midst can't help but feel it. I feel like that for being ready to give an answer. What's your purpose? It's to be a light in the world. It's to have so much joy emanating from me, coming out of me, that everyone in my midst can't help but feel it. So that was reached retweeted by Jimmer Fredette in the screenshot I've got, which is awesome. Anyway, I love that statement. And it's interesting that Marty Smith, who was the one doing the interview, responded. This is what Marty said. Tony, we've never met. I've asked God every day, why me? What am I? What do you want from me with all this? And for the first time, somebody's answered that question. <laughs> How cool is that? So that was his response to Tony Fino, because that's what he wants to be, a light in the world. Great advice. Be ready always to give an answer. Verse 17 of 1 Peter 3, it is better if the will of God be so, that ye suffer for well-doing than for evil-doing. What's interesting about that is it sounds like you're going to suffer, but life is full of suffering. 
we're all going to suffer. I, I, I heard a statement once. I think I heard it was from Hiram Smith, the Franklin planner Hiram Smith of more recent years. But I think that he said it or repeated it. In this life, suffering is mandatory, but misery is optional. So we're all going to suffer. But being miserable, our response to suffering, that's optional. And I think that if the suffering comes from evil doing, that will bring upon itself its own misery. But if the suffering comes from, by accident, by someone else misusing their agency, whatever, doesn't have to be miserable. I, I think that's a lifelong effort for us to learn how to go through life. But interesting that Peter would say, it's better to suffer for well-doing than for evil-doing. Well, of course that's true. Other things that are kind of fun in this chapter is that Peter mentions that Jesus being put to death in the flesh in verse 18, but quickened by the Spirit, by which also he went and preached unto the spirits in prison. I mean, these verses became so important that uh, Joseph F. Smith, pondering those, re received what today is a section 138 in the Doctrine and Covenants, where we get incredible information about the next life, about the spirit world, including the uh, wonderful phrase that you won't find in traditional Christianity, our glorious mother Eve. And if you are listening because you have our Turtle House, you know that I did a talk called Our Glorious Mother Eve, and it was so fun to talk about how our theology, our understanding of the scriptures, our revelations have taken Eve out from under the bus where mainstream Christianity in large part has thrown her. They either don't believe she exists, and neither did Adam, or they believe that though they were so prideful and selfish, they made this horrible decision or else we'd all be living in the Garden of Eden today. Well, we don't believe that. We believe that Adam fell that men might be and men are that they might have joy. Wow. So in 1 Peter 4, 6, that idea continues. For for this cause was the gospel preached also to them that are dead, that they might be judged according to men in the flesh, but live according to God in the spirit. Now, some people think the interpretation preached unto them that are dead means spiritually dead. But no, this means those who have died in their spirits are in the spirit world. So, awesome verses that led to further revelation and further understanding and, and of why we do temple work and everything else. First Peter 4.12, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you as though some strange thing happened unto you. Yeah, if you have trials, then so do we all. And that's not a strange thing. We all go through things. We better get to Second Peter. Some beautiful things here. I like verse 9, 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 9. He that lacketh these things is blind and cannot see afar off. Being able to see afar off is something that we are helped with by prophets who are also called seers, meaning they, they see, they can see things far away. I love to use the example, the Old Testament example, of prophets being called a watchman on the tower, and what can somebody up on top of a tower do that those of us down below can't do? Well, they can see. They can see far off. And imagine how silly it would be if somebody who is a watchman on a tower shouts down to us below and says, danger is approaching, you better prepare yourselves, and imagine... How silly if we say, I don't see any danger. 
And of course you don't see it. You're not, that's not your job. You're not the seer. And so important that we value and listen to living prophets who are seers, whose job is to see. And hopefully we are able to hear and accept that counsel. Second Peter chapter two, verse 19. While they promise them liberty, they themselves are the servants of corruption. He's warning about people who speak swelling words of vanity. This is, I, I just wrote in my margin, that is so Korahor. We'll get there next year, now I'm at chapter 30. Promise them liberty. Korahor's whole deal was, I am going to deliver you from the yoke that these church people put on you. You have no freedom. You have, you're not even enjoying your rights, and you don't even know it. And so Korahor offered this, I'm going to liberate you from all of this. And boy, there's 2 Peter 2.19, while they promised them liberty, they themselves are servants of corruption. And that was exactly Korahor, causing everybody to commit whoredoms. I am sure he was right in there with them doing that. And that is probably why he was out promising that. I got a little bit ahead of myself. Let me go to 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 3. There's a phrase here. And through covetousness shall they, with feigned words, make merchandise of you. So there's a lot of different things that that could mean. But the idea of their selling you is so modern right now. In fact, some of you may have heard of that uh, documentary called The Social Dilemma. And I, I remember them hearing, I remember hearing about these new smart TVs that they have. And in order to power up this smart TV, you've got to enter an email address and contact info or whatever. And then you can use Amazon Prime or Netflix or all of these services. But somebody is tracking your viewing habits and personalizing advertising, targeting it toward you. So one of the quotations in The Social Dilemma was this, if you're not paying for the product, then you are the product. They have made merchandise of you, in other words. These televisions have gotten so cheap at Walmart and stuff. Now, why is that? Well, because they're not just selling a television. They're, they're, they're finding a customer and tracking what he or she is watching so that they can tailor make advertising to, to him or her. And so that's what they're really selling. It's a fascinating thing and kind of a frightening thing. If we go to verse 12, but these as natural brute beasts made to be taken and destroyed speak evil of the things that they understand not and shall utterly perish in their own corruption. A lot of warnings coming from Peter and it sounds so latter day. I put in my margin on 2 Nephi 2.12 just the word influencers and we hear about influencers all the time people on social media who have huge followings who are influencers and they put out things all the time. I hope there's positive influencers. I know there, there are, but some speak evil of things that they understand not. Verse 14, pretty frightening, having eyes full of adultery and that cannot cease from sin, beguiling unstable souls. Think about what the internet can do to children if we're not careful. And heart they have exercised with covetous practices, cursed children. Wow. 
So one of the impressions I've had going through the New, Tis- New Testament this year is that uh, so often we say the Book of Mormon was written for our day, and as I've gone through some of these last chapters of the New Testament, I'm like, uh, this is written for our day too. <laughs> this sounds really a lot like our day, and that's what what Peter is talking about. Some of the challenges we will have in our day. I like Second Peter chapter three verse nine. The Lord is not slack concerning His promise. That's right. He's not a slacker. He's going to keep his promises. And there's so much hope in all of this. And I hope that when we see the world kind of going in the wrong direction, we are also saying to ourselves, yep, this is what they told us. This is what prophets have warned us about. And as sad as it is, it also can give us strong testimony of the prophets know what's going to happen, that the history of the world's already been seen by prophets, and they know what's going to happen, and they're telling us about it so that we will be aware. And that the second coming will not be for us like a thief in the night, but it will be like a woman in travail. We will have an idea of when it's coming, because we'll be aware of signs. Well, I hope this has been helpful for you today, and I look forward to talking to you next time.